and welcome back to another episode of Stargazing. I'm Calvin Reed, Senior News Editor of Publishers Weekly, uh, and a co-host on More to Come. And I'm here to talk again uh, with Meg, Lim- Meg Limke, PW's Graphic Novels Review Editor. How you doing, Meg? I'm doing well. It's good to talk to you. It's been a while. <laughs> I know, not for lack of trying. Calvin's been running all around. It's been it's been a hectic season, uh, but we're going to catch up on our star gazing episodes. And, and for those of you who may not remember, or if you're new, Stargazing is where we get a chance to talk a little bit about uh, books coming up uh, that have been reviewed, that have received stars. I mean, they're, they're stars, they're books of exceptional quality. Uh, and, um, and Meg, what are we talking about this week? We have two books we're going to discuss. The first is Pittsburgh by Frank Santoro from New York Review Comics. And then we're also going to discuss Commute, an illustrated memoir of female shame by Aaron Williams from Abrams Comic Arts. That's terrific. I'm familiar with both books. I know. This is excellent. So we'll start with Pittsburgh, which actually Calvin is not only familiar with, it's a real Calvin favorite. It, it, you know, it is. I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm very big on this book. Uh, I, you know, I've, I've known Frank for a while. I didn't know him well. Mm-hmm. And I had read a little bit, um, sort of bits and pieces of his earlier works because he's had a really great reputation for a long time, really, as a, not only as a kind of a literary cartoonist, uh, in the, you know, sense of really work of nuance and thoughtfulness, but also, a, um, uh, as a formal inventor, who I guess, mm-hmm. does different kinds of stuff, that, and um, and they're still really interesting, and he seemed to push the medium ahead. So, uh, and uh, so very recently, I got a chance to interview him on stage at Comic Arts Brooklyn, the recent Indie Comics Fest at Pratt. So, um, so I got to talk to them a lot about Pittsburgh. <laughs> Frank is a real comic seamster, and he's been. Um in roles, including the co-editor of the Comics Journal Online. Mm -hmm. He has a school for comics in in Pittsburgh, and uh, he has a an annual uh, called Comics Workbook. It's not annual, it's regular publication. Um, but he brings up a lot of young developing artists' work. So I, my experience with Frank is that one thing, and one thing I really love about him is he's a real enthusiast and um, a promoter of folks who aren't as well known. So I think he's been known to kind of really pull people up in the scene, particularly those who follow in his, his footsteps as an educator. You know, he has a oh, lot absolutely. of students. And mm-hmm. the funny thing, uh, at CAB, um, I went around, I, I know at least two people I talked to, who, uh, vendors, just uh, self-publishing artists, mm-hmm. um, uh, Ian's Densford, uh, the guy who did the, the Trench Dogs, uh, graphic novel about mm-hmm. World War One for Dead Reckoning. He was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I said, Oh, you know, I'm talking with Frank Santoro, you know, on, uh, as part of the show, as a panel. And he says, Yes, oh. without him, my book would not have been done. He was a student of Frank's. Mm-hmm. I think he has, there's a lot of folks who would say that, and I don't know if he's been complimented enough for it, so we'll give him that intro. Um, and in terms of him being a formal inventor, a formalist, you know, um, inventor, he, I think this book in particular, Pittsburgh, um, shows a real maturation of that. I think some of his early work, there was a sense that you could appreciate the way it was playing with the form, but this book form and story in a really heartfelt and personal way come together beautifully. So to give a quick recap of what the book is about, it's really, it's about his own family and in particular his, his parents and the way that their courtship marriage and then the dissolution of their marriage and the aftermath occurred. Um, and there's a kind of 
unfolding quite literally because on the page where you see that invention is this deconstruction of the comics form where he is literally um, cutting out and taping and repasting and you see the um, remnants of that literally on the page of the book and there's this sense of undoing and rebuilding and then that's echoed in the way that he looks at Pittsburgh as a city and across yes. the time span of his parents' courtship and his family's and his upbringing, you see the way that the city has gone through cycles of decline and renewal. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it, 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 just as you say, um, it's a wonderful laboratory, a really affecting laboratory more. I mean, he approaches the work more like a gallery artist would than, mm -hmm. than you might typically think a cartoonist would. Uh, so you've got an experimental, uh, piece in front of you uh, with all of that implies and yet he the, the work still they're very emotional they're very gripping it's storytelling at its most um, uh, subdued and engaging uh, the dialogues between his characters are kind of arresting you really follow them and the way he arranges the images uh, completely enhance it and yet uh, the way he draws, uh, as you put it, you know, you can see the process of him cutting mm -hmm. and pacing and moving things around. It's all there. Uh, it's an unusual experience, but it's so connected to traditional storytelling. Uh, it's kind of hard to un know where tradition stops and where invention begins. Uh, and as you said, it's an incredible memorial, emotional memorial to his parents' courtship and their, uh, their divorce. Uh, mm -hmm. And the fact that they work in the same place and they won't speak to each other. Yeah. Right. So currently that's the situation. Currently he, as an adult, is dealing with the fact that his parents work together in the same Pittsburgh hospital yeah. where, where they, quote, pretend not to see each other. He literally has a scene where he sees them passing. I think he's dropped his mom off maybe and he's still in the car. I can't remember exactly, but he has a way where he's like an, a fly on the wall and watches his parents walk by each other and not speak and each each sequence in the book reflects a memory whether it's his memory as a child you know, observing his family or as an adult coming back so there's a real sense of like what it's like to return to your hometown and cyclically as you grow up mm -hmm. or um it's his parents or his grandparents' memory where he's interviewing them and then he illustrates scenes that they're recalling it's all done in markers Mm -hmm. Yeah, and there's this sort of beautiful way that that also recalls the way that we first start to draw. You know, like you graduate yes. from hands to markers. Um, there, there's just this a beautiful sense of his love of his own childhood and upbringing. He has a real love letter to Pittsburgh. It really is time. And he also talked specifically about going out west, like moving to California, and then coming back. And mm -hmm. that he never thought he would come back, and he ends up. Um, taking over at his grandparents' house, one of the family yeah, homes. Yeah, it's a sort of a family home, and um, that's a great – that's one of the many dialogues. I mean, this is a book of wonderful dialogues. Mm -hmm. People justify, you know, something that happened in the past and, and that explains why they happen now. But you mentioned his drawing and using the markers. I mean, he draws very often with pure color, even mm -hmm. these beautiful pages of architecture throughout Pittsburgh and, and in his neighborhood. And there's, but there, but there's just, there, the lines are pure color. There's this almost, there's this transparency. There's this almost ghost-like feeling, mm -hmm. transparency that in some ways is kind of like memories as he's trying to reconstruct stuff from the past in some way to kind of give you some uh, evocation of of what uh, what he remembers but this book really 
it, 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 it's really, I really do think it's one of the best books of the year, um, uh, in its own quiet, nuanced way. Uh, he really has an amazing knack for powerful storytelling and, and, and completely crazy visuals. Uh, and yet they're beautiful. Yes, we just published our best books of the year. And honestly, Calvin and I would have really liked to do 10 <laughs> versus 5. So I would say that both of the books we're talking about today would have certainly been on the list if we could absolutely, have done more than 5. Um, I don't know if that's helpful to hear for the artists, but I hope <laughs> it is, because we really would have loved to have done a slightly longer list. Um, and this is a talk about that that way that the page reflects the process. The marker lines, uh, you can see on the color, the sky, you can really see the lines coloring in. So it's like a meditative quality to the way you can see them drawn that I feel like makes it very peaceful to look at the book. Oh, yeah. And then he really does leave. Like when we say he's showing the taping and pasting, there's, you see the tape. Like they, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they scanned it with pieces of, um, yeah. cellophane yeah. tape. And the package is just gorgeous. I mean, this is, we're coming up. This is a book that's out now in September. We're coming into holiday gift buying season. It's definitely one. We're thinking about doing a whole episode on gift buying next, but this one's one you should put on your list. It's a big, beautiful, oversized hardcover. Yeah, it really New York Review be. Comics yeah. is a gorgeous, gorgeous book. And this one is no exception. Yeah. No, uh, go buy this book. It's really, <laughs> it, uh, it's just moving. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's just a moving story um, uh, about his family and friends and the city of Pittsburgh. Okay. So, we should anyway, go. we could keep talking forever, but mm-hmm. we're not going to do that. Next book, uh, another good one. The next book is a debut by Erin Williams. It's a debut graphic memoir. She's done some uh, nonfiction guides before that are illustrated, but this is a complete departure. Uh, it's called Commute, an illustrated memoir of female shame. And Williams wrote this on her actual commute uh, in New York City and she would take notes about the experience of walking through the world as a woman and how the interactions she would have with men and we're talking about not necessarily verbal interactions but just being looked at um, or bumped against and navigating through men on the public transit on the sidewalk would put her and trigger her into memories of her past and trauma from bad relationships and breakups and abusive relationships to sexual assault. Um, and there's this, again, this is a book very much about memory and a very different style of work. It's very confrontational um, and nuanced. One of the things that I appreciated the most about it is the ways that she looks at each of these memories and all of its complexities, including her own um role in the ways that she's navigated these experiences as um, a, currently a sober alcoholic. So she's looking back at her own experiences of being um, an alcoholic and the ways that trauma interacted, both in, in creating the need for her, or I don't know, it's hard to describe someone else's addiction, but they led to her addiction. And then she was also in situations where she was inebriated, where she was taken advantage of. Um, so these are these are just really complex pieces and of a larger kind of self-examination. And there's also something beautiful, beautiful about the book. And as a parent, I really responded to it where she talks about um, having gotten sober before her child was born, the ways that having a daughter and an infant helped to heal a lot of these situations in herself. Yeah, no, this is, um, <clears throat> I mean, it's a very powerful book, uh, kind of gut wrenching really. I mean, mm-hmm. partic- particularly I think for, look, for a man reading the, this book, Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, um, uh, it, it's, it's not the intended audience. 
but you know, you can't help but connect with the pain. Uh, it's a woman's eye view of the world and, uh, I, the, I relentless, uh, uh, what the, the relentless, uh, uh, atmosphere of, of sexual predation, uh, that, uh, women go through every day. And, uh, of course she responded with alcohol and she kind of ties in how the, the culture of oblivion, uh, mm-hmm. is, uh, ends up being this, uh, uh, you know, fake, therapy self-inflicted self-diagnosed therapy on her and um yeah look there's no way to talk about this book without uh talking about the pain uh and um and the shame that uh she's had to cope with uh that said it really is a journey uh to the other side um just as you mentioned both her becoming a mother and figuring out um uh how to turn one like really awful relationship after another into something that she can move on from. And one thing that the book opens with, I mean, it opens in a way that is so relatable um, where she talks about getting just a little bit older. Like let's say she's probably in her late thirties. Right. And that she wakes up and puts on makeup and has been very used to the relentlessness of the male gaze. And then she's interrogating the ways that, it slips away that, you know, that you, that you start getting older and disappear as a woman walking across the streets in the ways that that is also a very strange experience. And she's addressing that. She's addressing the ways that the attention is itself something you become to rely on. So what do you do when it also starts going away? The ways that women are treated that you, that you're both, you're punished very actively. Yeah. Or being attractive, um, and for not being attractive enough, you know, yeah. like that your your yeah. value is so tied to that, and it's something that really speaks to our current moment. Um, as the reviewer said, this sharp and splendidly drawn memoir will strike a strong chord in the current moment. Um, I, I think it's something that she really put herself through a lot of um, self, you know, examination to, to put together yeah. as a book. I felt the editing of it was really excellent. It's not a typical graphic novel. It's not done with panels. They're, uh, full page portraits and they have similar again to Santero's work, a sense of you see the, um, process on the page. They have a kind of, you can really see her drawing them. Like they have a sketchbook quality to them. Um, but there's strong lines, you know, they're not unfinished. I, I really think it's worth picking up and she's a new voice and, um, force on the scene yeah she's got a clear voice and she's really carved out her her own um kind of visual syntax and organization Mm -hmm. uh uh, it's a book that could can become and i've talked about this about some other books where you can uh, you know this happened to me and this happened to me and this happened to me and this happened to me but she does have uh you know an ebb and a flow and a way to segue uh from one emotion to another and one experience to another and she's unrelentingly um uh uh critical of herself as well as this is the rueful matter of fact um ridicule she may aim at uh former partners she aims it at herself as well so it's, it's just a very book. honest, it's an honest work. And, very, honest. and the way she organizes it, her, her visual style, uh, using full pages and, and, uh, she's able to get a pretty interesting brand of, of really graphic, uh, emotional, uh, uh, feedback for the reader, I think. The way she designs each page. You know, I mean, in effect, each page becomes a panel. 
It's on trend too. I mean, we've been talking about this. This is something that we're seeing a lot more of this style, whether it's Mira Jacobs work, Kristen Radke's work. Um, there's a lot of folks who are experimenting with this style of sequential, um, narrative. Um, a sequential art narrative that's just not traditional in terms of having panels as your page layout. And so there's a lot of interesting room. Um, Lauren Redness does it in a very different way with breaks, breaking up pages of text. We could talk about this at length. Yeah. And they deliver really powerful emotional experiences mm-hmm. uh, really effectively. So it's, uh, it's yeah, it, it, there certainly is uh, a connection between their styles, but they, they, all, del- they all use them mm-hmm. quite well. They really deliver yeah, a, a gut punch. Mm-hmm. Uh, and illumination, uh, at the same time. Okay. I promise we wouldn't go over time. I don't know if we succeeded. <laughs> I think this is you. good. I think thank we've given them a back. really good, uh, outlook on both of these books. So thank you, Meg. Thank you, Calvin. And, uh, we'll be back for another episode of Stargazing, uh, in the future. Bye. Bye. Okay. Welcome listeners to another episode of Stargazing, but it's not just any episode of Stargazing. This is a, Special stargazing, uh, stargazing holiday gift guide. So, hey Meg, how you doing? And, and when I say Meg, I mean Meg Limke, the PDF's graphic novels re- review editor. How you doing, Meg? I'm doing well. I'm a little sick, so I apologize I for my voice. Um, but I am pretty pumped about this conversation. Yeah, I really love, oh yeah, thank you. <laughs> I really love buying books as gifts. And I used to be a bookseller early in my career, something that I advised anyone interested in getting into publishing. And, you know, book bookstores, especially indie bookstores, but really all bookstores, the sales they make around the holiday season are important for the rest of the year. You know, they're like, it's like your period, like your big title that floats everything else in a publishing sure. house. Like that season really floats a lot of what else bookstores do the rest of the year. So it's really important to go and buy books and support stores in this this time uh, and it's definitely how I shop so we just like you know I'm from Seattle we like land in Seattle we go to the local indie bookstore I buy all the gifts that's what we do <laughs> there you go and, uh, and and speaking of Seattle spread your money around ladies and gentlemen the listeners <laughs> oh right yeah we go spread I go your to, money around look at this video spin it online spin it offline independent bookstores need your yeah. you need you and frankly the big ones do, need you too so just no, spread your money go around. To the store that is a couple blocks from my parents' house, a little coffee shop in there it. The go. store I used to work at at the University Bookstore in Seattle, which is fantastic. Yes, I've heard about it. Bay, LA Bay is an amazing bookstore. I could just we could just do a Seattle bookstore edition. There you go. <laughs> All right, okay. but here you go. Uh, Stargazing's gift guide for the coming holiday season. So, what do you got for us? Oh, we should clarify too. We. The number one thing we want you to do is go back, listen to other stargazing episodes, because we are not going to repeat books we've talked about before, all of which would make amazing gifts. This is our, like, idiosyncratic deep cuts episode. (laughs) Um, We didn't talk about that we think you should purchase uh, or pick up. And they're not all stars. Some of them are actually just really good books that got good reviews. I mean, that's the other thing. But, you know, we mm -hmm. we give out the starred reviews. But, you know, really, there's plenty of books that get really fine reviews. Yeah. And for one reason or another, you know, didn't get a star. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't pay attention. You should definitely pay attention. You should buy some of those (laughs) So, but the first couple are stars. One of them is quite obvious that you're going to buy for every comics fan on your list young and old, which is Nancy collected by Olivia James. Oh, which, yes, the, the cult classic of the year. 
<laughs> right. And it's a lovely, this is what's so nice about buying books with gifts is they're books that, you know, somebody might not pick up otherwise because they're a little expensive, a little fancy. This is a great, beautiful edition. Um, and it's really funny. You know, it's, it, this is, no, it really uh, and Olivia J, she's really updated the humor. Uh, hey, Nancy's lit. Uh, so sluggo. Sluggo uh, is lit. <laughs> uh, you know, Aunt Fritzy, I assume, is lit as well. Uh, it's, it's, it's gone viral. She's updated the humor to the, uh, meme era and it's, um, uh, you know, I think Ernie Bushmiller would, uh, approve. Yeah, put a bow on it. Yes. Um, so the next, uh, book also got a start review, as did, I believe, all other titles, um, in the quartet so far by Linda Berry about creativity and art sure. making. This is Making Comics. So her others were What It Is, um, and most recently Syllabus was the third, mm-hmm. and this is a follow-up to Syllabus. Barry is amazing, this classic Barry, but it's not just for people who want to make comics, but really anybody who wants to start drawing and um, finding their voice, finding their narrative. I was also thinking this is kind of a lovely book to like give the adult while you give the kid in the room, Share Your Smile mm-hmm. by Richard Teltermeyer, which I think is going to be a oh, huge great. My Own Human Child Will Get It. Dude, that's, <laughs> the, that's the workbook, right? Yeah, exactly. That's the workbook that, um, we're not talking about YA here, but I do think it's kind of a great, you know, uh, pair to give, you know, give, give the parent mm-hmm. making comics, give the kid, share your smile, and both will sit together and, and start telling their yeah, stories. And making, and, and making comics is, is a guide almost to, to creativity, you know, as, mm-hmm. as it is as much to specifically to the comics, so it certainly is about that. Yeah, it's a prosaic title to what is really a magical yeah. book. And if I may, I'm going to point our listeners to publisherswiki.com slash comics because Heidi McDonald did an author profile of uh, mm-hmm. Linda Berry tied to making comics. So, you know, stop over there and make us happy too. Okay. <laughs> the other title that is a star that I wanted to recommend is um, Eritsa Yatsura, mm-hmm. Volume 1 by Rumiko Takahashi, which is uh, – the the collected works of this classic manga mm-hmm. and the volume one of the collected works and it's coming out from Viz. Um, Takahashi just got the Grand Prix at Angoulême this year and which was a big deal. Mm-hmm. So I think this is something that a lot of fans are going to look for and also people who maybe are more new to manga and you want something classic to show them to kind of give them roots. Yeah, it's a kind of classic comical manga for sure. Yeah, our reviewer was really into it. It was yeah, quite- yeah. Great. A lot of editing. There you go. We're, we're, we're taking you around the world, folks. Okay. So, uh, coming back to books that just got really good reviews and okay. absolutely are books you should buy. One of my favorite books for this holiday season is Vivisectionary by Kate uh-huh. LaCour. I love Kate's work and this is her first trade, um, release. A lot of people who are deep in comics might know her mini comics, but this is her first trade release from Fanographics. It has like a um, die cut cover and her work is super weird. And there, it's <laughs> well, basically we know like, what a, you like. <laughs> it's basically like a curio cabinet where you open it up and find like dissected mermaids and, um, really dark humor, like, um, two hands coming together and clasping and becoming a heart. Like there's a real narrative to some of it, but a lot of it's just like curiosity. And it's definitely the kind of book that you would just give to like your goth roommate, you know, or your, or your mom. It it is kind of goth centric for, (laughs) for sure. And, uh, uh, it's got an atmosphere about it. 
it will make you look cool. I think yeah. to buy this book. <laughs> there you go. And hand it to it. You know, to give it to the person you have a yeah, crush on. There's the gift. The gift of coolness. Yeah. <laughs> um, another book that will make you look super cool is The Hard Tomorrow by Eleanor Davis, which sure. is getting a lot of attention and is beautifully drawn, is an unusual story. Um, it's character study in three parts. It has a little bit of um, like uncanny. I don't want to say magical realism because that's not quite accurate, but there's some odd things that occur in this yeah. book that's that's actually wedded very much in our current political situation. Mm-hmm. She's just an incredible stylist, um, and it's a gorgeous book, and I could really see that as something that's going to take off for the holidays. Yeah, vivid characters, um, uh, you know, a plot that kind of speaks to the moment. Uh, beautiful drawing, um, you know, um, and, and, you know, and, and she brings all of this stuff together, you know, in a way that makes you think hard about life. So, yeah, we like we Eleanor sh- Davis. We surely have some Davis features on the yes, site, too. Yes. Oh, we do, yes. And as a matter of fact, we have a uh, publishersweekly.com slash comics, folks. <laughs> we have an author profile. I'm feeding of, it to you. Yes, thank you. You're feeding my <laughs> lines and I'm loving them. Yes, indeed. Uh, thanks for the handoff. Yes, check it out. Um, it's uh, uh, a artist profile of her by Bridget Alverson, uh, com slash comics. Yeah, she's really an incredible star. So talking about something you might buy for your dad would <laughs> be The Twilight yes. Network. <laughs> there you go. And The Birth of Television by Corin Shadmi. Um, I think this is a great book. People really love it. It, it's it's quite funny too because it's set up. Um, the opening is uh, Serling speaking to a woman on a plane, which has the vibe of like that really classic um, Twilight episode where the super scary thing like comes from the edge of a plane, which I think about all the time. Yeah. And yes, <laughs> particularly when I'm flying. Yes, it, you know it has this great nostalgic feel for anybody who lived in the period where this was a nightly watch. Um, but it also is going to appeal to anybody who's seen all the shows that have um, formed out of that aesthetic that he set up. You know, it's really an influential series. Um, and it's, a, again, a character study and beautifully drawn. I think it's it's something that people – biographies are big for, for yeah. the holidays. It's something like, you know, everyone's just – Yeah, oh, yeah, it. yeah. And of course, I mean, Corin Sh- uh, Shadmi, uh, the the author, uh, is kind of the hardest working man in show business here a little bit. Um, yeah, he's, he's really his work is always is always at a high level, and he's mm-hmm. and he's got new stuff coming all the time. Uh, and it's a really interesting character portrait of um, um, Rod Serling, uh, the Times. It does a great job at evoking the period, and he also drops you into the early world of television. Uh, and, uh, how, how Sterling kind of became the figure that we know him today, the kind of this kind of pop culture, uh, maestro on the horror and thriller side. So, yes. Uh, and it's it also, real- you know, and yeah. it also takes a look into his background to give some mm-hmm. clue into where his, his also dark brand of humor and, uh, fantasy came from, um, which is he, they, he sort of traces to his, uh, years, uh, during World War II where he was a paratrooper. Yeah. Yeah, there's a PTSD element to yes, it. Yes, absolutely. I mean, it's a real book, so like cliche, the like dad book, but basically like I buy my dad and my step, by, uh, <laughs> by my father-in-law, not stepfather, <laughs> um, and at any dad figures books in my life. So I really think that it's a great time to pick up something that you kind of feel like is generally interesting and appealing and like wrap that up. And we should mention um, the publishers too here. I think. Oh I yeah. Think that, this is a, hum- this is a humanoid book. 
We've not been. I was told to go quickly, so I just yeah, that's true. It's, it's I, actually it's life drawn. Twilight Man is life drawn, which is an imprint of humanoids that yeah, should yeah. deserve some attention. Um, and Vivisectionary is Fanographics. Hard Tomorrow is drawn in quarterly. Ursa Yapsura is Viz, and um, Linda Berry is of course drawn in quarterly. Yes. And right. Nancy is Andrews McNeil. Very good. All right. So what's next? So. Uh, the other book that I feel like is a perfect gift book is Snow Glass Apples by Neil Gaiman and Colleen. Oh, yeah. Lewis. Now, I, obviously, two uh, really great creators, but I have not read this book, so I'm, I'm anxious to know more about it. It's, it's gorgeous, and it has this um, stained glass, you know, aesthetic to it. Mm-hmm. Duran has a lot of fans, mm-hmm. um, and it's the Snow White story we told. Clearly, Gaiman also has a lot of fans. You know, not for nothing. Yes, that's a handful <laughs> for sure. Neil Gaiman, I, Colin Duran sounds like a good lineup. It's a dark horse book, and you know, again, when you think gift books to me, I think of like a beautiful art object, like something you're going to give people, and they're going to feel like they've gotten something that uh, has that handmade quality that comics put forward because every page was crafted you know this is a beautiful beautiful book excellent it's slim too so you know you can wrap it and put it like on top of another book (laughs) (laughs) exactly you can you can make a book sandwich here we go (laughs) um okay so a book that i think is really interesting and it's another example of like this is another one you could give to like, like a good book to get for a gift because you're not quite sure when else you would pick it up is Gina Siciliano's I Know What I Am, The Life and Times of Artemisia Gintileschi. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, in fact, I know when you might pick it up, I could see this really going into the academic market. Um, it has a lot of interest, I think, for um, readers who are interested in women's history. But it's also something I could see giving to somebody and saying, like, this is such a fascinating art object. She had a... Um, a gallery display recently of her work in Seattle. It's a Seattle artist. It's all done in ballpoint Mm -hmm. pen. It's deeply researched. Um, It's a lot about classical uh, artwork and sexism in the period. Yeah, yeah. Um, It's a fan book. It's a debut. Really interesting and worth checking out. Uh, And another fan book that I just completely loved, and it's a little quiet. I don't want to turn anyone on. It's just I found it like very lovely to read, like to sit down. And it was like watching like a nice ensemble film. It was The House by Paco Roca. Uh-huh, sure. Mm-hmm. Translated um, from the Spanish. It's, he's a hugely well-regarded Spanish cartoonist. And it's, I think, his third book out from Panographics. Um, mm-hmm. And it is also being released in a dual edition, Spanish and English. So I think that that's something that could appeal to a lot of people who are um, themselves bilingual, you know, again, to folks who are thinking about learning a language, which is something that, you know, it's like your January uh-huh. Cyber Monday, like you're going to try and learn <laughs> Spanish from comics you could get. Why not? Edition. That's yeah. actually two different editions, but it's, um, it's, uh, the, what it's actually about is a family whose father passes away and comes back to their vacation home to clean it up and consider selling it. And, you know, family secrets come out. It just has this lovely ensemble cast. Yes. You had a couple you wanted to mention. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, I like all the ones you've mentioned so far for sure. But, um, but a couple of things on my mind that I just happened to read, um, recently, uh, Two Dead, the new, mm-hmm. I mean, I guess, a, uh, I mean, it's kind of a historical crime thriller, 
by uh, written by Van Jensen um, uh, and with the, with art by Nate Powell, uh, the artist on John Lewis's March mm-hmm. trilogy. Uh, so you've got a a high powered you know creative team, uh, and they really you know for my money they really pull it off. It's really the story of um, you know a white veteran uh, coming back from World War II. Um, uh, he's a, he's a bit of a war hero. He goes to the FBI of the period. He's a trained, uh, uh, law enforcement officer. He's recruited, uh, uh, secretly to be on the, uh, police force of ni- 1940s Little Rock, Arkansas, uh, which is run by a Chief Bailey, a, a bigoted racist, uh, sort of almost mystic, religious mystic, uh, who is, uh, a corrupt, uh, police and violent police chief, but is actually disturbed, determined, the, uh, to defeat crime and, and evil. But those are the terms he sees it in. Uh, the result though, uh, from this, uh, uh from this narrative is that we meet uh, a lot of other major players in the story, uh, two African American brothers who kind of work on different sides of the law in 1940s, um, uh, Little Rock, Arkansas. Uh, I, you know, I could go on and on, but it's a great gripping story that has a foundation of really vivid, you know, social, um, social, uh, 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 social, uh, a vivid social landscape that, that mm-hmm. the artist paint for us. So that's, that's enough. Really, I could go on about this book, but it's fun and exciting. Uh, well, you and it's a very thoughtful genre. On, uh, oh, I'm sorry. Did, you, you put it on Panelmania. Yes, right? we did an it's excerpt. Not- excuse me. Yeah, we did an excerpt from it in uh, a, a recent uh, fin- uh, f- uh, fanatic. Yeah. And that's Gallery 13 is the publisher. Yes, yes, it published by Gallery 13. Great job. Yeah. We wanted to maybe mention also Blade Runner 2019. Oh, yes, so yeah, yeah. That's a book for people on your list who like Blade Runner and who is not in that category. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and I was lucky enough to actually have uh, – we did an interview with um, Mike Johnson, one of the co-writers of the series mm-hmm. at uh, – um, was it at San Diego? Yeah, I believe it was at San Diego. So mm-hmm. – um, you can go to publishersweekly.com slash comics, check out the podcast uh, link. And, uh, yeah, I got a chance to sit down with Mike, nice guy to talk about how they conceived it. He co-wrote it with Michael Green, who also is a screenwriter and the mm-hmm. artist is Andreas, uh, Grinaldo is published by Titan. Uh, Titan and, comics, they, yeah. and it's, and it's an original story set in the Blade Runner universe. So it's, uh, mm-hmm. it's got all of the great, uh, grim elements, uh, and the excitement and, and a different cast of characters. I also um, was really taken with The Complete Curvy by Sylvan McDowell, which is coming oh, from Iron Circus. It's $50. They're definitely pricing it like a gift book. It's a big 522-page um, complete volume. That's also, again, like when you're going to lay down your gift. This is somebody you want to impress. You got yep, them The absolutely. Complete Curvy. It's, it's erotica. It's like a... It's fun weird, and it's sexy. Crazy erotica. Yeah. Um, so it's definitely worth picking up and support Iron Circus as a small independent publisher. Uh, then, oh, I just want to throw in, because I might get this for my brother. We'll see if he's been listening. Um, Plummet by Sherman Tiha, which is from Conundrum. Mm-hmm. It's just a weird book where the whole narrative is a woman is falling in space, like falling in like yeah, a you know, Andy blue told sky. me about this book, and I never got a chance to read it. But, yeah, it's I like this fascinating. Book. Yeah. It just works. It's, I mean, it's essentially an exercise, but from that, it creates a narrative, kind of in the way that, like, the leftovers worked. Oh, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. where you have a thought experiment, and then 
you flesh it out. Um, and then it's just, you know, it's like, it's, it, it pages as a typical, um, Retroverso setup comic, but it has that sense of scrolling down, mm-hmm. you know, because you're, she's just literally falling through these different scenarios. Like she falls in and out of a house. She runs into other people. Some of them are alive. Some of them are dead. Yeah. She has to eat out of garbage bags. She finds this was just a weird discovery for me and I really liked it. And it's the kind of book that you just want to give somebody because you, you dug it. I love it. Okay, great. Um, you know what? I might, might get it for myself. All right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay. You know what? Coming. I think we got a time for a, uh, like maybe two or three more. What you oh, okay. Great. Um, what about free shit by Charles Burns? Can I say it? Sure. It's got asterisks in it. It's okay. We're on so, a podcast here. It's like, it's you know, a, a libertarian pocket. free zone. So sure. Go on. <laughs> it's a little pocket edition of mm-hmm. sketches by Charles Burns that he gave as gifts to people in his life. Right. Cause this is like um, a sketchbook almost, isn't it? Um, and he's he's put it together with fanographics, um, and I think that's something that you know. Again, it's like something you'd give somebody who knows what's what, and you yeah. feel like you've got sort of insider, interesting book. Um, two whimsical, oh, oh, sorry, not two whimsical, a whimsical title: the I Wonder Bookstore by Shinsuke Yoshitake from Chronicle. Is uh, your very classic, lovely kind of front of register books um, uh-huh. bookstore where the character is um, walking through a quaint store that um, brings up great philosophical questions. It's really lovely little art. I mean, definitely something you could kind of like a stocking stuffer. Um, and all right. also, mm-hmm. yeah. Live Oak with Moss is really okay. worth mentioning by um, Walt Whitman and Brian Selznick. Yes, so yes, this is, what a creative team. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is a start of you, actually. So we come back around all to right, a start yeah. you at the end. Um, at least I think so. We're back where we, we, where we started. <laughs> that's, that's fine. From, that's the perfect end point. But go from on. From Abrams Comic Arts. Uh-huh. So this is the poem, Live Oak with Moss, which is a homoerotic poem by Whitman, illustrated by Selznick, interstitially illustrated by Selznick. And it's a very romantic, beautiful book. And I think it's the kind of thing that you might give to a partner, particularly if you're in a queer relationship. Yeah. All right. Great. Um, uh, well, happy holidays. <laughs> Thank you. Some of you who are listening to this know what you're getting now. Yeah, that's right. There you go. Well, there, you know, there's there's a there's a big pool. It's sort of like a you know wedding registrar, so people can kind of go through there and you know and indicate what they want, huh? Yeah, and go back and listen to our other stuff. Yes. Review, because we didn't want to repeat them, but like those are also obviously yes, our picks for you should buy. To get for <laughs> clear. Me. You give it, people will thank you. So. So, hey, Meg, well, look, thanks for giving us a rundown on what to keep an eye out for, uh, for gifts. And, uh, we'll be talking again soon about, uh, and, and returning to our regular stargazing. Thank you, Kevin. Sorry, everyone, for my voice. Talk to you soon. Okay, bye, Meg. 